So I cannot wait for y'all to hear the episode today because have you ever met somebody and you actually forget that you knew this person in high school and they are doing amazing things all over the world and you just can't wait for her story to be shared? Well, today's guest is who I want you to meet. And so come on in and let's hear what we have to do today. Come on in. As the saying goes on my continent, Africa, no long tins, no long tins, no long intros because we have to get into today's program. And hi, everyone. This is Kate A. Kokadezi. Dear sisters, nice to see you. Nice to hear from you. All those things. Thank you so much for listening in today. And thank you for tuning in to Choose to Live Free podcast. The name is Kate A. Kokadezi, and it is great to have you listening today. What I aim to do with the podcast and the wider ministry of I Am Free Woman is to help you heal and transform your heart as you choose to live free in Christ every day. I believe healing is our choice. And once we embrace the process, we can truly heal as we are healed. So I say, yes, you said it. (laughs) Healed people heal people. (laughs) I'm not really going to give much of an intro here, but just a quick update. And I hope that everybody takes something from this. But today I was able to enjoy some pool time, not me in the pool, but I was working while my kids were in the pool because as a mama and a whole lot of things going on, these are the few moments I get to be with them. And it was so refreshing to actually enjoy the visual, the scenery and be present um, while they also have their time in the pool. So I hope that as a mama, as a wife, as a friend, as a sister, whatever hat you're wearing these days, that you do take some time to enjoy the scenery around you, breathe in the fresh air and just take it all in because life is too short. All right. So normally I would include a brief bio, but this time I am leaving that out uh, for our guests to do simply because I can, right? (laughs) No, but seriously, what a story. I want you to meet Ifia Ogusufofie, featured in Huffington Post, BBC, Facebook, Unido, Africa Tech, SDG 5P panelist, comp scientist, statistician, and operational researcher, and so much more. And she has a story. And that's all I'm going to say about who she is. Not necessarily who she is, but what she does. And from her story, you can gather who she is. As you listen, here are some nuggets for you. If you need to, if you need to travel and see, there will be a loophole that gives the enemy a foothold. Be mindful of such loopholes. Dedicate your heart to the Lord out of love and not out of fear. You have the throne in your heart where Jesus wants to sit. When you're ready, allow him. It is from your breaking free seasons that God reveals the diamond out of the rubble. I love that. Find your zeal to fight during the battle, definitely. Remember the present crashes to produce something remarkable, yes. Wean yourself from coincidences that you may interpret as God's signs and wonders. You can always shift from crises to a ministry. Whatever that ministry is, remember, God's anointing always breaks the yoke. 
We had a great conversation, which I know you will enjoy too. I actually even forgot to take her contact information, but I have it. I know what it is. So you'll see it in the podcast bio when you click on the podcast link. And remember, I want you to do this for me. I want you to choose to be free, choose to live free and choose to stay free. Being faithfully renewed, encouraged exceptional women and men of God. So as always, you know who this is. This is Kate, your Chief Joy Activator. I can't wait for you to hear this conversation with Afia. And always remember that healed people heal people. So go out into the world and heal someone today. Choose to live free. I love you. I want you to enjoy this beautiful conversation with Afia and enjoy her story. See you soon. Bye. Hi, everyone. I want you to uh, sit back and relax because today I have with me one of my dearest sisters. You know, life is so amazing when you are young and you're going through life. Oftentimes, you don't know who you will meet on your way up or on your way down. And in my Ghanaian heritage, we do have a saying of some sort like this, that be careful how you treat people because you never know who you meet on your way up or who you meet on your way down. And I happen to have one of my dearest sisters from my alma mater, my high school, Wesley Girls High School, here with me today. And I am so excited because we have been in this, you know, connection with each other on Facebook for a long time. And recently she started posting some things that were really speaking to my heart. And so I invited her to the show to come and take the floor and teach and, you know, just share with y'all what's, you know, what's on her heart, what God has been doing with her and the amazing things that she is a part of. She is a singer, beautiful voice. She is smart. Should I say that again, (laughs) y'all? Everybody has skill sets and I admire women that do what they do. And so I can't wait for her to tell you all about that. But I want you all to sit back, relax, and enjoy this conversation that I'm going to have with my dear sister, Ifia. So Ifia, welcome to the show. Thank you, Kate. Uh, thank you for having me on your podcast. It seems like yesterday when we're in the same house, Compton, Compton Wesley Girls High School, I know. And on that note, I would like to say that I'm very glad to be on the I Am Free Woman show today. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. So um, thank you for joining. And I am so happy that we get to dive into your story. And I am looking forward to what the Lord is going to share through you to his daughters, to his sisters. And I love that you said I am free woman show. The free is good. Um, Choose to Live Free podcast is underpinned by my organization, I Am Free Woman Ministries. And so I love that you put that in there. So let's start by you introducing yourself to our lovely sisters. Yeah, like Kate said, I am Ethia and my last name is Owusu Fofie. I live in Virginia in a city that I recently moved to called Jeffersonton. Uh, the closest place most people are aware of near where I live is Warrington. Um, I live with my mother, or I should say my mother lives with me, like my friend clarified. <laughs> Just to get your name mentioned first. Uh, so uh, I'm the only child of my mom. I'm the firstborn of my dad. Uh, my dad lives in Ghana. Uh, growing up, 
I was born to a single mother. I lived with her for about 13 years, uh, then spent about 10 years with my dad in between boarding school at our high school and also attending the University of Ghana. I also used to go to the United Kingdom every vacation to do any work on my <laughs> working holiday visa. Uh, and at some point, I became a teaching assistant at the University of Ghana after working with the head of department uh, during her research conference. And so shortly after that, I relocated to join my mother. Uh, and I've been in the U.S. for close to 15 years. And during that time, I've been fortunate uh, to work in, you know, corporate America. I also really started from the bottom. So I've been a babysitter for a Nigerian family. I've worked at a hotel as a front desk uh, representative. I've done night audits uh, during the graveyard shift at the same hotel. Uh, but at some point, I enrolled in a graduate school program at George Mason University, where I went for two masters in statistical science and operations research. And after that, the Lord began to open doors for me, and I worked at a think tank uh, called Mathematica Policy Research in Washington, D.C. I've interned with Progressive Corporation, the insurance company. I've worked two times with Deloitte Consulting uh, in data analytics capacities. Uh, I've run nonprofits uh, for women who could uh, based in San Francisco, California. And I also run my own nonprofit called Kudas Who Travel with a mission to inspire and advance the careers of computer, mathematical, and statistical programmers uh, uh, in emerging markets like Ghana and also in underserved communities like uh, the U.S. Uh, so, yes, Kate has made a shout out to my singing. I've just become a recording artist of two maiden albums, uh, releasing 24 brand new songs uh, on 12 on the English and 12 on the Chi. Uh, and so that's a bit about me. Yo, listen, I mean, I had to write this down, statistical science and operational research and math and all that. And I'm sitting here like, um, <laughs> yeah, I tell one you, day at a time, one day at a time. I tell you, like, it is interesting to me and I find it intriguing, honestly, when I meet individuals that are very opposite of my gifting, of what my brain can take. So yes, I will enjoy math, but it has to have like a dollar sign or some currency next to it for me to enjoy. <laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> we are all shooting for that these days. <laughs> but without the currency next to it, I just love that pure, authentic, like how your brain can capture these concepts. So I don't even know where to start, but I know where to start. Okay, so let's go ahead. So I want you to describe, you've talked a lot about your, you know, in your introduction, coming from Ghana, going to the UK, coming to the US, all these places and all these amazing things that you do. And at Choose to Live Free podcast, one of the main um, tenets of our organization is our belief 
in God and the way in which he shows up in our stories each and every day. And so I want you to describe your breaking free season when you realized it was Jesus or no other. And what are some of the events that led you to this point? Because even in Ghana, right, we grow up with the Lord, you know, most families, it's infused in us, you have to believe in something, believe in something, believe in something. Go ahead and unpack for us what this felt like during your breaking free season. Yeah, sure, Kate. And I, I would like to commend you that you have a show that uplifts the Lord, you know, in the world we are today. Not many people are able to stand for Jesus. So that's very commendable. Thank you. Uh, my, you're welcome. Now, my breaking free, uh, I want to give a backdrop before the breaking free. So like you said, I too grew up with a, a mom who was a staunch Christian when uh, I was born, you know, the kind of mom that you hear praising the Lord, you know, praying in at dawn and, you know, like, are we sleeping and going to church, you know, four days, whether you like it or not. My mom is sandwiched by two brothers, in between two brothers, and they both are ordained ministers for the Assemblies of God. And uh, they founded this church, primarily the younger brother. And um, in that church had a special focus of converting Muslims, uh, would you believe it? And um, because they themselves used to be Muslims at some point, and they converted and gave them their lives to Jesus. And so the kind of atmosphere where I grew up in was a lot of joy, but it was also a lot of sorrow because some of these Muslims had been disowned by their families, right? And so it was also a lot of need in the church. Now, my mom is a teacher, and you know that teachers in Ghana, well, teachers everywhere, don't get paid as much as they ought to be. But even her was kind of like one of the financial backbones of the church at that time. And so that should tell you the income status of most of the people that used to, to come to the church. And I watched my mom give a lot in those uh, early days uh, to people and also evangelizing and visiting them and providing encouragement over the years. So that's how my first 13 years when I introduced myself was like in Kumasi in Ghana. It was a great time as an only child. My mom's basically her world revolved around me and I also grew up with male cousins a lot. And so I played soccer, table tennis, lawn tennis and we lived on a university campus because my mom's bigger sister was married to a man who was working for building and road research institute a branch of csir mm -hmm. and uh, they sort of partnered with the university to build the university and in exchange they also have buildings on the campus uh, so that's how i was raised you know and so because we're on university campus education was very huge and so we had at a school we had a lot of extra classes for some reason uh and so it was hard play church and um also studying all the time around 13 my mom began making preparations uh, due to some personal events that unfolded in her life to relocate to the u.s and so she thought it best to move in to send me to live with my dad. Now, hitherto, I was always 
seeing him occasionally. And I love my dad because whenever he came, he made it special. Like, he (laughs) he didn't come often, but whenever he came, it was special. You know, like, he he would buy me a dress, take me to a fancy restaurant, we would discuss my report cards, you know, and then drive in a nice car. He also dressed to kill. So those were special moments. Uh, so eventually I moved in to live with him and my stepmom, my stepsister, and uh, three half siblings. And um, it was definitely a big change from how my mom raised up to raised me up because here yeah, I was actually the firstborn. And so I was expected to help with household chores and a lot of, there wasn't so much focus focus on the academics, you know, in the in the place. It was more there my the world revolved around my dad. So you know, so let's just put it that way. So it was kind of a shock, you know, navigating the environment I was used to into a new environment. And so uh, while my stepmother took us to church a bit more. Uh, than my dad would go, still, I realized that this environment, you don't necessarily have to go to church. And I think that's where the enemy started planning thoughts in my head that Mm -hmm. maybe the path to becoming successful isn't necessarily through church because I was contrasting the where I grew up in with that needy church with this financially stable environment where church is not overly emphasized. And so by the time I was on my own in college, I basically was not going to church that much at all, you know. Uh, And so I went through college, did the mathematical sciences, and in my final year, I began dating for the very first time in my life. And about maybe by the time we graduated, shortly after or just before we'll, we'll graduate, I can't remember too much, but I think it was after, uh, we broke up and I experienced so much pain uh, as a result in my heart. And I remember that night, I remember either that night or following shortly after, I just kept hearing this phrase in my heart, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Mm. and for me I think that was how God was calling me back home you know Mm. that I just gone through something where obviously it didn't work out and here was the message that I was receiving in my heart so fortunately uh, about when I was in third year one of my friends Michael uh, started inviting me to his church and it took about two years uh, and but every now and then he's like, you didn't come to church. I keep inviting you. Uh, but God had another female friend also start inviting me to the same church. And it was Legon Interdenominational Church in, on the campus of University of Ghana. And there I decided to become a member. I was assigned to a Nigerian missionary called Grace. And she was one of the leaders at World Vision, and she went through a tract, an information tract on the gospel with me. And after our conversations, uh, she helped me rededicate my life to Jesus. Again, 
because I'd done so many times in that startup charismatic church I grew up in, every time someone was preaching about hell and I thought I was in danger of going there. So I'd done so many times out of fear, but this was the first time I was going to do it because I was matured. I understood that the Lord was saying he will never leave me nor forsake me. And I was going to do it not based on fear, but this time out of love. And so that's when I rededicated my life Mm -hmm. uh, on November 4th, 2007, with the help of the Nigerian missionary who was based in Ghana. And so it was at that point that I realized that for me, it had to be Jesus or no other. Like. You've given me a lot in this first block that I'm kind of still (laughs) chewing over. But when you said, you know, when you said you heard a voice that said, I'll never leave you no forsake, you know, we shouldn't disregard the early part of our upbringing for those of us who had um, godly women, Christian women, whoever, parents at home who played those songs early Saturday morning or you're sitting in church Monday through Friday and all that. For as much as we were children and we were kind of in our own world, something was being fed to us, right? So in this moment where you are caught up in these thoughts and the Holy Spirit somewhere is saying that I need to help her, you know, I need to send something to her that reminds her that there is a God some way. She may not know her, him right now, but there is a God some way. And that's the voice that oftentimes it's not the loudest in the room when it comes to your heart, but it can be the strongest if we allow that voice to speak a bit more. And so, exactly. go ahead. Uh, and him being God, he knows the exact timing when his voice will make the resonance the most right because the backdrop was that you are going through something breaking and he is saying with me <laughs> it's forever you know it's, it's it's only god who can know you so well to bound your soul with a word, a healing mm-hmm. message when you need it the most, you know, mm-hmm. and you are so right when you say that um, what our parents sold into us, you know, in those early stages does have resonance because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a lot of the preachers back in the day in Kumasi, Ghana, just loved on this small church because they felt it was just a startup and so they should be there. And so I had a front row seat to hearing a lot of great preachers in Ghana and also hearing a lot of song ministers back in the day, in those Mm -hmm. days, you know. uh, Well, with the help of Nigerian missionary Grace, that uh, Auntie Grace, that who shared their rededication message with me, she made me realize that if you have asked Jesus to come into your life, whether out of fear or whatever, he he has come, right? Mm -hmm. But um, we have a throne in our hearts where Jesus must sit on. So Jesus, so there was this circle in that tract where Jesus, there's a throne, there's you, and there's Jesus. And it's up to you to sit on that throne or allow Jesus to sit on that throne. And so for me, the diagnosis from hell was that even though he's in the circle of your life, 
he's not on the throne, you know, so the rededication prayer was about if you are letting go and allowing Jesus to sit on that throne of my life, you know, so that I can have peace uh, and be free from all the distractions that were in my life at that time. Mm. So you're speaking a whole lot in terms of something that I'm working on a, a book project and that everything that we do as human beings, this heart, this is where God is trying to get to, you know, but it is covered by first the circle being the world, right? So he says we should be in the world, but not of it. And then the triangle representing us. And then in there is the heart. So for God to get to us in our hearts, we have got to allow the distractions of the world to go. So we have got to let even the distractions from ourselves, meaning the mind that has been constructed by our childhood experiences, by the perspectives that we've picked up and all that. We have to let all that go to let him come in. And in scripture, we see scripture after scripture, all God is wanting is what? Our hearts. Give me your heart. Give me your heart. Give me your heart. He's trying to have us give him our hearts. And at the same time, he's giving us this beautiful thing called choice, right? Where you get to choose. What are you going to give him the heart or not? But he's ever ready and ever positioned to come in. And I call it heart transformation, heart surgery to get you on the right path. Mm -hmm. One thing that you said is you dedicated your heart out of love. God and not out of fear. I think that's the first time I've heard someone frame it so beautifully. Oh. What is that? What is what is that in terms of you know giving your heart? You know, you're dedicating your heart to God out of love and not fear. Right, and it wasn't just my heart; it's also my life. Mm-hmm. You know, because you can give your heart in the present, but going forward, you might change your mind. You know, so the re-education prayer was my life, you know, going forward that, yes, I might not get it right perfectly all the time, but whenever I recognize that I am on the throne, then I have to relinquish that control Mm -hmm. and allow God or Jesus to, to do that. Now, I said out of love because, like I said, back in the day, a lot of preachers concentrated on, you know, hellfire. And back then, when I'm six to nine years, it's scary. So, <laughs> like, if he says that if you give your life to Jesus, you won't go to hell, then guess what? I'm going to give my life to Jesus right now. And then in that startup church, I think perhaps it wasn't as established. So today you have a lot of follow-up. And sometimes too, I think my mom and my uncles and those that I grew up with, maybe they saw me do it often that they didn't really take the time to follow up because it's also about the next steps after you say the sinner's prayer. So there was really not much. I mean, I attended Sunday school and was great with uh, Brother Yusuf. Uh, it was great, right? He learned so many amazing songs that sometimes even still come to my heart. But uh, in those times, it was largely out of fear. Uh, but I remember one time that I gave my life to Jesus because I told you there were many. Uh, was on the campus of 
Kwame Nkrumah University of Science and Technology, where the college students were doing uh, some sort, sort of a sketch. Or, or sketch. And um, I remember that part when they said, and many books were opened, and then one book was opened, which is the Book of Life. And whosoever's name was not found in the Book of Life was cast into the lake of fire. And then in the sketch, it's like people were screaming, and it was very scary, you know. So when they did the altar call, I went up and gave my life to Jesus again. And But I was shy because I was sitting with my male cousin, and you know altar call requires some kind of boldness uh, because everybody knows that you are giving your life to Christ. And for some reason, I was shy about that. So my plan was, okay, I want my name to be in the book of life, but I'm going to dash up there and return. Would you believe it, Kate? Because I rushed and returned to my seat, they wanted to do the follow-up with me, give me guidance on the next steps. So they went on stage, announced my name. (laughs) They're looking for the young girl. that's where you know that's where you know god is like not today y'all i'm just gonna yeah you're not gonna dash out like that no no i had to return and then they gave that was the first attempt to give me some next steps but even that because i wasn't i wasn't a college student i wasn't attending church on campus the follow-up could have only done so much right so you fast forward with auntie grace and her, her advice and counsel in those six sessions that we did, she asked me to read the book of John uh, in a new way, you know, and I just fell in love with Jesus with reading the book of John. I didn't know it was one of the books that is given to people, new converts when they come to Jesus. Like I read how Jesus is the word, was at the beginning, you know, that he came into his own, his own did not receive him, but those who, to everyone who did receive him, he gave the power to become, you know, the children of God, and, you know, John the Baptist announcing Jesus on stage, and it it takes you through Jesus's life, and I guess because the Holy Spirit was I'm sure working over time this time after telling me he will never leave me or forsake me. I just came to appreciate who Jesus is. And oh. so by the time we were ready for that prayer, I, I was able to say, I love this man and uh, I would like to rededicate my life to him. So that's wow. how I meant. By wow. And so, so you have dedicated your heart and your life to him and by this time you were still in Ghana or you were here I still was but right now I'm about 22 22 okay so then at some point after your your rededication this time out of love you begin the journey of walking closely with Jesus can you describe what this felt like in terms of your breaking through season as you navigated God's directions um, and the highs and lows of moving from Ghana to the U.S. And what were some of the challenges that in particular you went through that really maybe had you questioning even this rededication or in some ways kind of fueled you further 
in your relationship with him? Yeah, so one of the first things I did with Auntie Grace was share with him, with, share with her that I just gone through a breakup. And she immediately made her life an open book and shared with me her first relationship and where and how she found her husband and how even today the first relationship guy sees her and says, Oh, I, I was supposed to marry you or something like that. They always say that. They always say that. I'll just interject and just quickly say that. But then, you know, also you were quite in your older year when you got into a first relationship typically right. you know it starts like in high school ish right you know? right and then so yeah so your experience was definitely yeah very heartbreaking yeah it, it was age. it was I wish I would have done it earlier <laughs> <laughs> when you're old, you take everything seriously <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, that was only God's plan for me. Um, so that was the first thing she was, she just got me cracking up and she prayed that I would heal. But the other thing she also prayed for me was that at that time, it had been about five years of uh, not seeing my mother since she and I had separated. And so we prayed that God would make a way for that to happen. Uh, so I went back home and um, really prayed, you know, I think at that time I had an interview with Standard Chartered uh, to be, I forget the position, uh, but it would have been a great role. If I had one of my friends uh, got one of those roles and she still is part of Standard Chartered to this day. <laughs> so... Uh, if I had gotten one of those roles, I'm sure it would have been a great thing for me at the time. Mm -hmm. But my mom was also beckoning me finally when God made the way to come and live with her. But, you know, it's different if you've experienced abroad before. Because I was going to the UK, I knew uh, much about living in abroad and sometimes the challenges and that. It wasn't necessarily so that or true that people who had migrated over there were doing very well, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, some were doing well, but not a majority weren't doing that well. And so for me, I was really debating whether coming to the U.S. will be better for my life versus staying in Ghana. And mm -hmm. I think my mom couldn't understand it at that point because for her, it was clear when she got that opportunity to come here that her life here, she would prefer that, right, over mm -hmm. Ghana. But for me, that wasn't the case. So there was a tug of war in my heart. So I, as a new rededicated person, have read John now. I stood in one of the rooms, my rooms, in my father's house and just said, Lord, I'm just going to open this Bible and Whatever, wherever it tends to, I'll believe that you're speaking to me. I want to know if it's Ghana or it's the U.S. Why do we do that? Why do we all do that? Like, you just be like, I'm just going to open the Bible. That's the easiest way you come to faith. And the Lord meets you there because I tell you what, if now I do it now, it's not going to happen. I'm going to get some random verse. Well, that has no applicability to my life. 
but then God meets you because he knows, you know, she's new in the faith. So I did, and it was where God was telling Abraham to leave his father's house mm. to a new place. Wow. I know. So for me, I thought that was clear enough uh, because I was living in my father's house and it was, it was clear, leave your father's house. So I did go to that interview. I did not make it, but I have a, an, an auntie who is in human resources. Just so God will make me understand why I didn't get that interview because it, I, I was really hurt I didn't get that interview. My auntie, who's a human resources person, went to Nigeria for a conference from Ghana with other HR people and ended up staying in the same room with one of the HR people who was at my interview at Sanchat. And when they were talking, my auntie was like, oh, you're a Sanchat. My niece, my niece came for an interview recently. So they, they kind of bonded and she found out that, yes, yeah, she was also part of the interview panel. And basically the feedback from my interview was that I was just talking about my any work jobs in the interview instead of talking about the statistics and computer science I went through. And it was one of my big passions now, you know, through women who code or coders who travel to educate people and women in particular. If you don't know your potential, you miss opportunities, period, you know? So I didn't get that feedback through some amazing circumstances. Uh, but when I didn't get in the fact that God had revealed to me in his word that I should leave my father's house, I decided to make the decision and move to the U.S. Mm. Uh, so uh, when I came to the U.S., like I said, I did babysitting for a Nigerian family. I worked for a hotel. I also worked as a summer youth intern for a Baptist church in the Alexandria area where sometimes I led a Bible study. Sometimes I went to Christian camps with these teenagers and managed them there. Uh, one highlight was Infuge in South Carolina uh, with them. Uh, then uh, I began working on my GRE and GMAT because I was exploring where to go next. Uh, I also attended a conference by American Statistical Association, uh, which one of my lecturers back in Ghana had introduced our whole class to. Uh, not everybody could afford it back then, but because my mom was in the US, she paid my membership dues for me regularly. And so I was receiving magazines that was telling me about the statistics profession and the impact on decision-making that was bringing. And that nurtured my desire because I'd gone through a period actually in college in my, my second year where um, I wasn't sure I even wanted to continue with the program, mathematical sciences program, because I thought it was taxing and demanding at the time and I'll rather do something else. Uh, thank God I didn't do that, but it was also through the help of this lecturer, Dr. Beidou and the ASA, American Statistical Association, that my interest grew and I was able to determine to stick to the plan. And I also remember someone giving me 
a prayer by Jabez or Jabez book. And um, I said that prayer, Lord, please don't let me cause pain and enlarge my territory because I was so scared I wasn't going to make it in my mathematical sciences program. And so it was really a miracle that I'll become a teaching assistant later on at the same department where I thought I will quit. So fast forward, I'm in the U.S. I, I'm now enrolling in a dual master's program just because I want to explore more, uh, whether it's statistics or patients research. And I, I was also a teaching assistant there. And then when I graduated, eight years later, I found out that I was, I was actually the first woman to do that. Wow. Uh, two degrees. I know. I wish that told me earlier. So I've <laughs> marketed it in my interviews. I don't know where I would be <laughs> now if they had told me earlier. But yeah. One of my late professors mentioned that to me. Uh, uh, and um, I guess the ups and downs uh, really wasn't in my career, but it was so much in my. Uh, romantic relationship, my next romantic relationship. So uh, a dear friend from childhood began dating and shared that her boyfriend thinks I'll be a great girlfriend for um, his, his best friend. friend. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> before, long, before long, that idea went from an idea to reality. And um, we started getting some heat immediately because uh, the two, the couple that recommended that we should date also came back with the news that his ex-girlfriend was not too happy that he had moved on because according to her, they broke up and came back together. But the guy said they had broken up and never got back together. And because of my love for him, I chose to believe him. Nobody was happy with us. <laughs> So we will go on to date and a lot of drama and I don't know why I allowed myself to go through that kind of drama when I had so many other options, you know. But uh, suffice to say that the friend who introduced me, we also had another mutual childhood friend and three of us had been praying regularly about all things, including our future marriages. And two of them, the guys that came in their life during that period, both of them are actually married to them. Mm. So yeah, I was thinking that this guy was set for me too, because I thought he came through prayer. Mm -hmm. And even though he didn't have 100% on the staff on my list, he had maybe 85. So I thought maybe this is what it is, you know. I didn't think I was attracted to him like <laughs> in the beginning, I should say. <laughs> It's like now when I think about when it, I, think I wasn't about, even attracted to this dude. <laughs> because he had the list, the friends I recommended. I was praying at that time. Yeah. I convinced myself he was the one for me. And I think I probably would have married him, but for the fact that uh during dowry price negotiation, tensions arose and things broke down and he decided not to move forward, although Aww. we were sort of dating. Still, even after that incident, until God gave me a wake-up call through dreams where 
about three dreams. I shared it with him. He agreed that they were true and was blown away that I could see something like that through dreams, right? Mm -hmm. And I was shocked because, you know, you have dreams and you're talking to someone about it. You're not really sure that the dream mm -hmm. is true, but mm -hmm. then you're like, the person is saying it's true and now mm -hmm. your heart is breaking. <laughs> so it was not. I guess I should be thankful even though this hurts so much. And so that relationship, you know, did not happen. Uh, but he was into, he was on his way as he claimed to becoming a mega pastor, a mega church pastor someday. It's his big dream. And he was really of the word of faith school of thought. You know, there's this a school of theology that says that sometimes you are even better with gods with a G. Mm -hmm. And uh, you can do all things. You can do greater works than even Jesus. Mm -hmm. You know, this guy believes that sometimes he even saw angels. There were big, big supernatural claims. And in this relationship, I was made to feel that what I had was not enough. Mm -hmm. You know, things like maybe I should speak in tongues as evidence of the baptism of the Holy yeah. Spirit in my life, mm -hmm. that if I didn't speak in tongues, then I wasn't as matured as he was in the faith. Mm -hmm. uh, so it made me start trying to do more, you know, mm -hmm. because sometimes it even felt like maybe if he's going to be a big pastor someday and you cannot match him on that level. Then maybe mm -hmm. it's not a good fit. So mm -hmm. I was trying. And then someone also recommended me to a church that was off. That was also now riddled with scandals. But at the time I was recommended to, it didn't have the scandals. And it further confused me and confused me. It's like I started practicing, trying to seek God on my own terms. When all this time, the Lord had already assured me that he would never leave me nor forsake me. What, a decade before I'll go through what I was going through, mm -hmm. or maybe half a decade. And I started, you know, trying to pray more fast, over fast, do so many things. And it was also because I was trying to save the relationship to advance to the next stage of marriage and all of that did not all go well. And so before I realized, I suffered my first nervous breakdown in life. Wow. Sadly. And so uh, through that very low, I was able to somehow have the strength and say, this is enough. You know, mm -hmm. now mm -hmm. I am going to walk away from you. I'm mm -hmm. not even going to take calls or something like that because I don't know if I pick your call what else it will lead to but I'm done you know wow. and so I was able to finally break free and uh, through the journey of that nervous breakdown uh, at the hospital I, I learned that I'd been singing all manner of hymns spiritual songs uh, crusade-like kind of songs, you know, hymns from Wesley Girls that we both attended, mm -hmm. where I learned most of the hymns, uh, the kind of songs that were taught me in Sunday school uh, came back, the kind of songs uh, that I sang 
sang at crusades and Pentecostal churches, old, old songs sometimes came to me. And then there were American contemporary gospel, uh, the classics from back in the day when I was on the wow. university campus, as well as songs that were currently being played on the radio. They all just rushed to me. And I will sing and sing. And in fact, one doctor, a white woman once remarked because I was at a, a Washington Adventist hospital one time and she came in and she was like, I just wanted you to know that you have fought a good fight of faith. Mm -hmm. Because even while we were caring for you, we all knew that you were just battling and you were doing it through the ministry of songs. So that was the report from a doctor. And so I came across a quote by Wintley Phipps that says, it's as in the quiet crucible of your personal private sufferings that your noblest dreams are born and God's greatest gifts are given in compensation for what you've been through. Mm -hmm. I just came to love the quote so much because it was therapeutic and uh, I realized that God had given me something through the crisis that I'd gone through and that was the ministry of songs. I used to sing songs just to make me happy, but I'd just gone through a period where I had song, sung songs to wrestle, you know, through what the enemy brought my way. And um, it's even later that I'm reading about the power of music in people's lives to heal and restore memory and also, and again, God knew that those songs were my way out. And for me also became the evidence that I had the Holy Spirit. I didn't need to express it in a particular kind of way to be assured that the Holy Spirit was with me, that the same God who was singing to me daily and encouraging me was just as great as someone who will express it in, let's say, speaking of tongues or whatever other expression. That is so beautiful. That I want to pause here because three things that I want to comment on or put commentary around. As you were talking about, you know, your first breakup and then going through a job interview and then um not getting the job and through those divine you know connections and stuff like that you're here and then going through this I would say in our culture this is big because marriage is one of those things that they expect you know every young woman to to do right and so to not do that it becomes kind of you subconsciously battling the shame and the anxiety and all those things but that first, I call it the rejection there, and then the rejection with the job, and then all these things. Subconsciously, it was sitting there. And even though you had gone through your walk with the Lord, dedicated, there was this thing still within you that God needed to get out. You needed to heal from a lot of things that were like piling up. And so once you had this nervous breakdown, it was kind of like 
this person that was telling you all these things on this is how you're supposed to be a Christian. This is how you're supposed to worship God. This is how you're supposed to, you know, all of a sudden you're like, wait, am I even like doing this right? You start to question the identity that he's already spoken over you when he called you. And I wrote down, I said, I, I wrote this down that I want to say, I said that when it comes to the things that we allow into our, our hearts, sometimes if we're not careful, you know, the, the opening of the door can lead to that foothold that we give the enemy. You know, it, it's some of these scriptures and some of these doctrines, they sound so good in our ears. It's like, oh, I like that. Oh, I like that. Hmm, maybe, maybe, maybe. And before you know it, you've opened your spirit up to something. And then now your spirit is wrestling with the truth, with the things that God has already spoken over you. And you experiencing that, I'll tell you, you're not the only one. I've gone through that battle as well. And I know a lot of Christian women in my circles that are battling confusion, are battling these turmoils within their spirit. And now, even in today's society, social media, all the noise you see out there, and you put that against the word of God that you know so well, and you're kind of like, wait, but this sounds so good though. You know, so all of a sudden the enemy is like, if I can distract you from what you know, then I definitely have you. And as you were talking, I just was like, oh my gosh, this is like today, what we see in so many lives out there is going back to what we said, your heart, you know, once he has your heart, then the question becomes, what do you believe in? Do you really believe in the Lord? That's another step altogether. I give you it my is. heart. Now it I is. have to believe. You know? It is. It is. And well said, Kate. Well said. Mm -hmm. So here you are, you've gone through your nervous breakdown and you're picking up the pieces, the songs are coming to you. Where were they coming from? Was it like within your soul? Did you, did you feel like, wait, I have known this all along or all of a sudden that is how during your crises, God was like, this is your gift. This is your ministry. And I'm going to have you do that. Yeah. So it's a great question. Uh, sorry, I'm going to go in the deep end again, <laughs> but it's the truth. It, it is the truth. Um, I woke up in an intensive care unit, so that should tell you that I wasn't at a good place at all. Mm -hmm. And when I was waking up, there was a song in my heart uh, in the Ghanaian language, Chi, and it was saying, and I'll say it in Chi and I'll say it in English uh, for your audience, uh, that which means our ancestors worshipped other gods, little g, but as for us, we choose to worship Jehovah. So that was the song I woke up with in the ICU. I don't know about you, but when you hear a song like that, on at a place where you could have died, it sort of marks you in a different way because mm -hmm. the message was clear that God was giving me a second lease at life and he mm -hmm. definitely wanted me to dedicate it to him. Uh, but at that time, I had not really connected that he was going to do it through the songs, right? But um, I got paired with a missionary uh, a woman who's been a missionary in three countries before. 
Uh, she also has two masters and she knows God's word like no joke. And when I got paired with her, I, I, she started walking me through uh, Philippians and some other passages in the Bible, how to do a Bible study because she's a Bible study leader at the church. And so one day I was going to visit her uh, and it was raining cat and dogs. And um, before that, this moment that I'm describing, I was also at the leasing office of, an, of a town home I was renting. And I heard the a phrase, the anointing breaks that you come to buy. And that phrase was what launched my music albums. That became the title of the album. And so I was questioning, what is, what is the anointing that breaks the yoke? Because for me, the yoke was clear that this was the mental health battle that I was going through. And during the raining day, I just had the pressing reviews, the anointing. So... I felt like I'd received another revelation. And so I came home, began Googling on the present, and I saw images of crashing, and I saw wines and grapes. And then I went to Bible study, and there's a woman there called Iris. My mentor who taught me the Bible study stuff is Joan. And Iris was also, she was just talking about something. She had no idea the Lord was going to use it to confirm what I was researching and she was like you know flowers are crushed to make the finest of perfumes <laughs> so here I am I'm like okay wine you know olives and now we have flowers so I'm like something about the pressing and the crashing so that quote that I mentioned of Wendley Phipps I realized that the crashing in my life was revealing some kind of perfume and but what was that mm. and so that was when I connected that the single thing the doctors and the patient told me was that I'd been singing and confirmed by the song about choosing God as the Jehovah above other little gods uh had shown me that indeed I was singing mm. uh, so when I got that that the pressing the crushing the trials the tribulations had brought that perfume, that oil, that wine of singing, I decided to hold on to it with my life, you know, <laughs> because I knew that was the gateway out of my struggles. And so I wouldn't even say that in addition to coming to that revelation, it's like I'll just wake up and the song will be in my heart. Some from different stages in my life, some from different people, you know, Ghanaian artists, American artists, people from Europe, you know, missionaries, Don Wesley, Charles Wesley, and all those kind of themes we used to learn. It just will flood me, flood me. And so, you know, Zephaniah 317 says, The Lord your God in thy midst is mighty, he will save, he will rejoice over thee with singing. And I believe my journey is an insight into that scripture that the Lord had already spoken over us. So with that realization that the singing was my ticket out, 
I found a conference by a group in Redden, California called Bethel Music, and they were doing a worship you for worship leaders. I was not a worship leader, but I told them in my application that this is my journey with songs, and they approved for me to go. So I went there. I was supposed to spend like two weeks, but I only made it for one week because I, I got sick uh, for the remaining week. That trip was both filled with hope and disappointment. The mm -hmm. hope was that I met amazing recording artists. Some have even won Grammys and the like. There's a lot of stigma around mental health. People don't understand it well. And so if someone is going through, people just don't know how to help and, mm -hmm. and to run away, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so, but I came out of that conference realizing that God was doing something powerful in my life than I had given it credit, you know, because mm -hmm. if I'm able to, why am I being able to suddenly sing the Bible verbatim, you know, and getting new melodies when I wake up in the middle of the night and or I go for walks, sometimes even when I'm driving, so I have to you know, maybe park or make sure. And, and down, it's being downloaded, right? Yeah, because you better... I, I don't want to forget the melody, the original melody, because if you don't record it with your phone or laptop, then mm -hmm. you forget it. Yes, nice. So because I became serious after that conference, whatever I went through with a crisis and disappointment, it came back stronger. Uh the Lord even allowed the United Nations to invite me to this conference in Italy where I met well dignitaries. And I'm like, God is trying to let me know that he is in this season. You know, yes. because I would never have imagined being in an unknown place in Italy, rubbing shoulders with people from European Commission, you know, big, big names. I'm like, wow. But all I know is that it just comes to heart. Sometimes mm -hmm. the fear in me is already singing. Mm -hmm. And so I hear the lyrics, maybe the first line, you know, maybe consecrate my heart to thy service, Lord. Sometimes I wake up and if it's a part of the verse, it's already happening in my heart. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, oh, I remember that too. And then maybe I'll go on YouTube and then I'll Google that verse and the whole hymn will come up and then I will contemplate on it and let it bless my heart. And sometimes you will find a line in that phrase that I really needed to be reminded of or needed to heal, you know? Mm -hmm. So it, it kept happening and happening. And through that miracle of the songs ministry, I was surprised that the Lord wanted to give me brand new songs. Wow. Look at you. So here you are, recording artist, and at the same time, doing all these things. And God is amazing. The way when you lean into the things that he's showing you, the way he equips you, the way he brings people in your path, the way he kind of guides the process when he said, right, when you went to the United Nations and it's not by your might, right? And it's like, oh, 
somebody would have been like, nah, I still got to take these notes, you know, but you were like, I am brave enough to leave these notes and I'm going to walk out there and whatever comes out of me is what he wants me to say and share with these people. And so it is great. And now, you know, you talked about even about perseverance and I want us to wrap up with a few things here. When do you know to pursue and when do you know to walk away from something that you know, you're kind of, you mentioned, you know, I was at this point, you know, pursuing this, but, you know, it got to be too difficult. When do you know that God wants you to pursue that thing? And when do you think, um, you know what, I quit. It's it's not for me anymore. I'm going to go. In your experience, how has that shaped up for you? Yeah, I think the verse that immediately comes to mind is, the blessing of the Lord maketh rich and be added no sorrow to it, mm-hmm. right? Um, there is a joy that surpasses all understanding when you are doing something the Lord has called you to. They all started with what God gave me mm-hmm. and me Thank just singing the little in my hand, like Moses had his staff mm-hmm. in his hand and God began begins to make it extraordinary by finding other people to come and enhance the work, you know? Wow. You might not be perfect. You might not have it all together. But if the hand of the Lord is on it, he goes before you and he makes the crooked places straight, like he says in the Bible. You know, God makes ways where there seems to be no way. We have that great song. You know, and in the Bible, he puts oases in the middle of deserts, mm. you know. So I guess, should you persevere? Is the Lord in it? Is he helping you? If he is, then persevere. But if you're doing it in your own human strength and it's not working, but you convince yourself because of some signs and wonders, because the Bible says the signs are actually for unbelievers, but mm-hmm. prophecy is for believers. It's mm-hmm. somewhere in the Bible. And so we need to trust that internal guide mm-hmm. where you get the helpers coming alongside you, building you up to go the path the Lord wants you. And wean ourselves from the fact that I think my coincidences have aligned up. My list have prevailed. Uh, I'm seeing these signs and wonders. So it must be the Lord, you know. And so your story is so beautiful. I mean, how you have journeyed through life and the health crises and just the way in which he has brought you here, not to mention even your corporate career and what amazing things you're doing there, the ministry, the codes who travel and all the amazing things that you're doing there. At the end of the day, you said one word that is my favorite. I think I have it on my shirt, right? It says joy. joy. What, what does joy look like for you these days? For me, joy these days, it's a uh, fruit of contentment Mm, I love that that. thank you because when you are content you're able to experience security in the Lord and for me that has come to mean that my life most certainly will not go like my friend's life is gonna go Mm -hmm. right and my life 
will be unique as God promises. For whatever the timetable that he has for me, whether I be marriage, children, well-paying job, uh, quality friends, great relationship with parents, the stuff of our well-being that we care about, that I'm able to accept that he's a good, good father and that you know, withhold anything that will be beneficial from my life for me. Oh, you are a remarkable young woman. And <laughs> I have had the pleasure of seeing you express that in so many different ways. And today, uh, my listeners are going to hear you. For the young woman out there, what is that golden nugget that you will have for them coming from where you've come from, your life experiences, and even the outlook that you have now when it comes to walking hand in hand with Jesus? I think for the young woman, realizing that at the lowest of your lows, yes, you might get one or two people to help you, but you really realize that when you recognize you hit break, uh, rock bottom that God is there. That's where <laughs> he's the only one. I love that. I love how you put it. And, you know, to kind of wrap it up, I would say that what you said about when you went down like that, you know, how you made it and other people are probably still where they are. I kept, I kept hearing because she chose. Mm. You still had to believe and say okay lord mm -hmm. i'm going to come follow whatever this thing is you know i'm yeah. going to step into this music i'm going to do this and i'm going to do this and i'm going to so you still had to allow god to reign supreme mm -hmm. you know there's a man that came to jesus and jesus said do you believe mm -hmm. and that man was like I believe, but help my unbelief. Mm -hmm. You know, that's honesty at a highest level. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't have to come to God with our pretenses. Mm -hmm. Some people pray sanctimonious prayers, you know, kind of like the King <laughs> James kind of version. <laughs> but there's value in prayers like, God, help, help me. God, I'm confused. I don't know what to do. Those are equally great prayers. You know, mm -hmm. I had the pleasure of serving on a, a prayer group called Sisters of Faith. And um, since maybe 2019, we meet every Thursday to pray for family and friends and the nation and all things in between. And that's really it. When you pray, God answers prayers on his own timetable, mm -hmm. but you still have to pray and trust. And so what she said, yes, I responded to the call, but even in my imperfect belief at that time, I feel like it's Lord, even if I, there are areas or corners or corridors of my belief that is not complete yet because I'm so scared with these doctor's reports and whatnot, but I can trust you that you will help even my own belief. Hmm. You know, we're going to wrap it up here. She said it all. I think your episode is one of the episodes that Kate has not spoken much. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Oh, well, sounds like they say what a good compliment for your cooking is an empty plate. So I'll take that. So, so I, you just went in and you did not miss a beat and I appreciate your heart. I appreciate what the Lord is doing for you. And listen, this is not the end. This is not the end for this kind of talk, this kind of conversation. Who knows where we might collaborate on something. So I really, really want you to continue to be your awesome self and minister the way that God is wanting you to minister in the corporate spaces, in the private spaces, in the ministry spaces, wherever he puts your feet, know that it is blessed. And until next time, I love you. And thank you for coming to Choose the Live Free Podcast. Thank you. You're welcome and loving you right back. (laughs) Bye. Bye.